worship you. Oh, we worship you, Jesus, that we live in a country that we can freely worship you. Oh, we worship you, Father God. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Jesus. Worship you. Oh, we glorify your name. You're so worthy. So worthy. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Praise you, Father God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, you know, you just got to think of all the good things. I mean, all, oh, all my life he was faithful. I mean, I almost died when I was five. And there was nothing to help me, but God helped me. You know, I, I, off and on, my first husband died suddenly, you know, and left me with two children. And that was a shocker when you're in your 20s. I, I could go on and on and on and on. And you look how God has been faithful. Faithful to be there. And I didn't even, I, I, you know, I was in a denominational church and I always talked about God. Uh, but but that, I, I didn't know him like I know him now. Total difference when you just know about him. That's the huge difference. You know about him or you know him personally, as well as you know your husband or your wife or your best friend. Wow, and he's been so faithful and it makes me wanna shout. When you think about the Lord, how he saved me at 40 years old <laughs> and raised me and filled me, with the, he did fill me with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he did it, I didn't know anything about that. He filled me. <laughs> God is good, and you've got to think of the good things he has done for you. Amen. You can be seated, and we'll, well, you know what? We're going to just in, get him up here really quick. Um, but uh, this Dr. Michael Jacobs is here today. He's a prophet of God, and has he, he was a pastor in New Albany, Indiana, since 1976, but turned over his church to his son, in 2016 and now travels all over in foreign countries here everywhere and we're so blessed to have him here tonight very 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 blessed um he's a pastor to pastors and many physical healings and and uh many things are evident of miracles in his life so we're not gonna take much more time and I want you to give him a great big welcome, <laughs> Dr. Michael Jacobs. <laughs> Woo-hoo! It's not on. Oh, I'm on? Now I'm on. I got a thumbs up from the guy in the back. Okay. <laughs> now, you could be seated a minute. I wanted to uh, say to you, uh, we, we're going to get some of these, too. We have books, but that's not the point. I wanted to get my little pieces of paper, they were about this big, where you could fill out a testimony or a healing or something like that. I don't ask you to do it while I'm present. I mean, you don't like while I'm here, you can take it with you. I mean, if it's God, you go back to your doctor and have him check if you need it. If you're, if you're on something, I never tell anybody to quit doing medicine. I'm not stupid. 
I know there's a lot of, well, I better watch myself here. But there's uh, just a lot of weirdness sometimes in the body of Christ. You know, in my day, way back in the 70s, there were preachers going around all the churches telling people to throw their grasses down and stomp on them. And what they had to do, they had to go buy another pair. It's what they had to do. Uh, you know, I know God can heal blindness. That's not the point I'm making. But people just do silly things. So, but, so what I'm saying to you, if I minister to you and you know you've been delivered or, you know, you've been healed or maybe your mind straightened out because you had some issues, then you could write me and tell, tell me about it. I won't print your name with it. I may share the testimony. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Boy, you're feeling really grateful. Rough, rough group tonight, Pastor. Sorry. No, I'm teasing. Yeah. Now, this is the book on angels. This is the workbook. I brought it for a specific reason. It's just a little bigger. It's the same materials in the smaller book, but uh, I wanted to read you something that I wrote here. Uh, in these last days, this is just a paragraph. I wrote uh, quite a bit on the introduction here. In these last days, things are changing quickly. God is elevating his church, his ministers, and his people to a place we've never known before. And I think even more than when I wrote this, which was, I don't know, 20 years ago. I'm not sure when I wrote the book. It's been a while. And this came later, the bigger group, but it says it's time for signs, wonders, healings, and demonstrations. Both the Old and New Covenants indicate that signs and wonders come at least in part through the ministry of angels. Jesus needed and valued their help, and so do we. Amen. That's just kind of it in a nutshell, but you think about that. We learned today about Jesus. He relied on angels heavily. This is a brand new book. I think I've just had these for a week or two. Do we even have any? Well, they brought them to your, your church two weeks ago when I was with the Owings. And this is my new book on uh, healing, God's healing supply. I just want to read you like a part. What it is, it's his scriptures. I think there's about 30 of them in here. And then we give you several different renderings from other translations of the same verse. And then, we, and then in the back we give you a little confession to make. But there's one here that just stuck out to me. That I, It's in Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. That's the scripture, King James. But the uh, Amplified says, do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or maturing anger, nurturing anger, or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people I buried that were full of that. And people even in our church today, some of them have a hard time because they never forgave somebody. I'm telling you, if you want to live in health, you, I don't care. I, I know it's terrible what people do to other humans. I'm not an ignorant person. person. I've been around the world, and I've ministered to a lot of people. And a lot of times people just are so hateful about somebody they were married to 30 years ago. Now they brought all that junk into the current marriage, or the second, third marriage sometimes. I'm not making fun of people that get divorced because that's a tragedy. I know it's not God's will, but people do get divorced. But you've got to forgive people. That's my point. If you don't forgive people, Jesus said, I didn't say it, he said, the tormentors are coming for you. They're sent against you. So that's why, and so I want to just read this as part of the confession. I'm submitted to God because Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I do not give the devil an opportunity to lead me into sin by holding grudges, nurturing anger, harboring resentment, or cultivating bitterness. And you know, if you read that every day and you examine yourself, if there's any little trace of that somewhere in your thinking, you can just forgive a person right then. You don't have to be with them to forgive them. I do not leave any foothold in my life for the devil. I give him no opportunity. I walk in love, live by my faith in Jesus Christ. 
I believe in the power of Jesus' blood to cleanse me of sin, and I am not moved by condemnation. I believe in the authority of Jesus' name, and I operate as Jesus' representative to resist sickness and disease. And that's just one scripture. I didn't even, I only read you the Amplified Translation. There's about six of seven, maybe eight translations here. If you just keep, you know, if you get this and read it and keep it by you closely, and I think it's just, I didn't count how many we put in the book exactly, but table of contents just lists all these scriptures and what page they're on. And then in the back I have a place you could pray to receive Jesus or receive him as your healer. That's another issue people never did. And so when I teach on divine healing, I'm not teaching that directly now, but I always lead people in a prayer to receive him as your healer, not just your Savior or your Lord, but your healer. How long? The rest of your life. Yes. That's what we're talking about. So I hope you got something this morning, man. It was, a good, it was good for me to be with you. Let me just say that. And uh, let me go, go with me to Colossians chapter 1. I want to start there, and then we're going to go back to Hebrews, but I'm going to pick up a thought here. And tonight, uh, Lord willing, I'm going to talk to you about personal angels. These are angels assigned to you and me. Now, when I say that, the angels that are associated with me, they don't belong to Pastor Mark. They don't belong to any of you, Pastor Dona or Pastor Jackie. You've got to figure this out. And then, you know, some of us in our ministries have additional uh, angelic help to help me with my healing ministry. When I talk about the visions, a lot of that I'm saying now will, will really, be clear to you. Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying. When I started, I knew nothing about anything but concerning Jesus much. I mean, my mom made me go to church because I was a little crippled boy, and there's a, I had a miracle. I'll talk about that on the visions, too, because I had a vision. Anyway... You just got to, we got to just keep walking. We got to go over these things and over these things. So tonight, this is, if you're interested, this is personal. You, per, you got to take it personal. I'm not talking to the person next to you. I'm talking to you. And you have to settle it. You have a personal angel. And I'm going to say it up front just to get it out so you can be thinking. You're responsible for that, not Jesus, not the Father. He's already charged his angels. I've read my Bible plenty of times. And he don't have to do it every day because he's not like us. He don't forget anything. And when he says something, it sticks. But we, we do have personal angels. I have other angels, additional, have been joined to me over the years. I used to kiddingly say when I was younger, because I've been teaching this 42 years, I'm 72, so that's a long way back. I said, if you don't use your angels, I'm going to the unemployment office, and I'm, I'm requiring your angels to come work for me because I know how to put them to work. And you, I'm not kidding. I'm not laughing about it. And since that time, God's added a whole bunch of angels to me for different reasons. And I will get into some of that each day. You know, I can't tell you everything in even four days or whatever I'm here for. But I thank your pastor for inviting me because this gives me ample time to deal with at least this subject. Yeah. It's not everything. That's why I brought my books that they'll help you more too. Maybe I didn't answer all your questions yet. I'm sure I didn't. But we'll get to all that. So, but I want to show you something here in Colossians. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the anointing. On the word tonight, we thank you for the anointing on me and on the people, all of us, anointed to hear and anointed to speak. I, I declare that First Peter 4 is working in me. If I speak, I speak as the oracles of God. And if I minister like I did this morning to people through the laying on of my hands, then the power of God will be evident and will come and minister to people in your behalf. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. We believe to get further revelation. Wherever we're at in our knowledge, may it be uh, accelerated tonight. May it be more fuller than we've seen before. 
and may we adapt ourselves to it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I wanted to go over here. Let me set the story up a little bit. I'm going to read Colossians 1.16 in a minute, but I want to set the story up. Pastor Andy Silva, he was a friend of mine. He was part of FOF at one time. He had a church in Deming, New Mexico. I went there and preached for him. He was also the mayor of a city. And that's an unusual person that could be a mayor in a local city and be a pastor at a church. But this, so he and I were both in the same meeting, uh, just listening. Dr. Dufresne was with Pastor Everly, Pastor Jay Everly. And so we were at the same hotel, Pastor Silva and myself and several of the other preachers. And I was eating breakfast by myself. My wife didn't want to come down that day. So he, I, he came in, he waved, and I said, Come on, if you like, can I sit with you? I said, sure. He sat down. He said, somebody told me you know something about angels. I said, well, I know something. I don't know everything. What, what are you thinking? Well, I, I'm a mayor, and I'm also a pastor. At that time, I hadn't went and preached for him yet. He said, I want to ask you a question about angels. I've got two angels that help me, and they come to me in my mayoral office, in my civil duty, but they never show up at church. What do you think? I said, that's pretty easy. They're not called to help you at church. They're called to help you in your civil government. And he, and he said, you know, like most people would, like a word person would, not most people, the word people, the real word, not just for refrigerator good stuff. But just, He said, you got a chapter and verse for that? I said, no, but I, I'll find you one. I'll call you back in within two weeks. It wasn't even two weeks I found this scripture. Now, what happens is people read things into this scripture. It's not saying. It is not Ephesians scripture. It's in Colossians. It doesn't say we're fighting against these things right here. It's given us a definition of all the powers that exist. So I want to read that to you and then explain to you what I said to Pastor Silva. It says, for by him, Colossians 1.16, for by him or by Jesus or by the word were all beings created. It says all things, but you could translate that as beings, all beings created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible. So right there, before I go any further, that indicates there's some invisible creatures in the planet that you cannot see with your natural eye. <laughs> and I've already studied it out. You could study too and go see what you get. But you're going to have to have a dream, a vision, or operate in discerning of spirits. And I operate in two of those regularly. I'm not bragging. I didn't ask for any of it. I'm just a burnout drug addict when I got saved. When I give my testimony to you sometime this week, you'll see how far gone I was maybe. And so, and then it goes on to say there's some invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, you know, those are all in the plural, so there's different levels of that, or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, talking about for Jesus. Now, this word principality is just a real simple word. It's not, it's kind of a religious word with people, but it's simple. It's a prince over a municipality. That's what a principality is. It's a prince. And, it's, and it doesn't say it's evil here either. Do you assume it, I think, because you think you're reading Ephesians, but you're not. You're in Colossians if you turn to the passage I told you to. So I say it this way. If you're a godly person, male or female, it wouldn't make any difference. By the way, God never checks your gender before he anoints you. And, I, and I'm mentoring several younger ladies that are daughters of my sons, my spiritual sons in America. And I mean, some of those ladies are so powerful already, and they're in their 20s. I mean, 
I mean, they're coming. The ladies are coming. The prophets are coming. I mean, there's a lot of things on in the view in America. I'd be wise to stay alive and watch it and be a part of it. Then if you're a man, you're, you're uh, you know, hopefully not a, a chauvinist pig, but you might die because of that because God's going to, the ladies are going to, they're not taking anything over it. They're just going to be who they are in Christ, and some of them are highly anointed. All right. So that was my scripture. I gave him a scripture right here. This ain't about warning against anything. So I said, because you're in the civil government, if you're a mayor, a governor, a senator, a congressman, a president, a, you know, whatever the other countries have that's equivalent to that in governmental structure, if you're a good man or woman, then God would help you have some beings around you to help move that agenda forward. If you're evil, it just the other side does that, the devils, the demons, and they keep moving anything further that way. That's why we got what we have in America today. Not just over one president or one senator. I'm talking about the government. If they get in our government, and they're always looking for a place to get in where they have some authority. These kind of creatures, they're not so much interested in me and you as they are somebody that could be an authority in a nation. I mean, that may be you. You need to vote, you know. And you need to pray. All right. So... That was, that was just a free little treat for you. And all of these listed here, there's different thrones, there's different levels of dominion, there's different principalities and different powers. And, you know, I, went, I know a little bit about history and demons, of course, and, and that's, you know, Hitler, Mussolini, and the more modern guy, I think he was in Romania, he was a nut, and then the guy down in South America, he was a nut or Central America. You know, and God, and God is trying to get godly people in there, and sometimes they won't. And if he gets somebody that's not right, he will use them and enforce his agenda on a nation unless somebody does something about it. Okay, let's go back to Hebrews now. I hope you listen to what I said there. That's important that we have chapters and verses. And I was just sure when he said they didn't help him at church, that's not their assignment because they're not like people. You know, I've had people tell me for 40 years, yeah, I'm going to help you, Pastor. I'm going to do And it came three weeks in a row. I haven't seen him for 25 years. You can help me a bit. You're so far behind, I haven't seen you for 25 years. My gosh. I'm not complaining. I'm just being real. And if you can't take it, get out of the kitchen. If you're going to be in ministry, you're going to have people that are dishonest, liars, and malicious, and very, very scrutinize everything you say. You know, I could just say one word, a bad word in front of you, and you just shut me off for the rest of the year. She'd send me home, and I wouldn't blame her. All right, thank you so much for your enthusiasm. I'm warming up to you, or you needed some coffee before you came. I didn't have any, by the way, before I came, so if I'm wound up, it's just God. All right, so let's see here. We're back to Hebrews 1, verse 14. Remember, we explained all this this morning. I haven't got time to go back over all of it, but I do want to go over another thing I didn't say. Are they, verse 14, are they referring to the angels mentioned in verse 13, the angels, plural, that's all of them. Are they, the angels, are they not all ministering spirits? I told you that they all have a job description. Now, if they're not able to do that, I would say, I don't know if I'd call it frustration or not, but there is something being unfulfilled in them. You know, just like there's a body of Christ and then there's an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, ministry of helps. And if you're not one of these, you're one of these. And if you're not either, then God bless you. You need to get saved and you need to get real about serving God in the local church. <laughs> okay. 
But everybody has a different job description. I see there's a guy on the camera there, and there's a guy in the back doing the, a guy, I think is a guy back there, yeah, doing the sound, and you have singers, and I guess you have teachers when you have other classes if you do that here. I don't know. Are you listening? Everybody has a different job description. Okay, but all the angels do, and they've been sent forth, and we read this. Well, I just preached one time here this morning. And Zechariah, about these are they who the Lord has sent to, to walk in the earth, to and fro through the earth, not in heaven. So that was proven at that point. I'll use four scriptures on you. You remember Genesis, first, I mean John 1, Zechariah, and 1 Corinthians 4, 9. And we proved it. John, I only had to give you two. Even God said that. You know, said two or more witnesses would be sufficient. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister? So I'm getting the feeling, just reading this again, just bringing something out, that they are involved and want to be more involved in ministry to us, for us, and with us than we've ever dreamed. Now listen here. Let me say something here. You don't have to see anything to receive the benefit of them. And you better learn that because most people, unless you have a dream or a vision, or you, I'm not saying you couldn't have all that. I didn't ask for any of it. And after he got done showing me all this, he said, I want you to share about your visions. And I said, I'd rather not. Yeah. Well, why not? I, I started to say, well, you know, but I didn't talk back to him. <laughs> you know, he knows what I'm thinking, whether I say it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, okay. I said, I've already been persecuted out the wazoo for my stand on the word, yeah. Jesus. And now you want me to stand up in front of total strangers, just like you all. I'm going to do that probably tomorrow or the, one of the two, take me two nights to talk about them probably. And tell the most intimate moments of my life when an angel visited and said this or that to me. And I'm open for scrutiny and judgment and condemnation, being called a screwball or a nut. And you want me to do that for you? And you want me to open my, and I, this is what I said to him. I said, that's. And I want to say this publicly. I never talked to my wife about my wife to any other human on this planet, about our romance, our love life. And that was between me and her and Jesus. And I, and I said to Jesus, I repeated that to him. So you're asking me why. This is why. I didn't do that. And I don't want to have to do that with the visions. He said, well, I do. I said, well, I don't. He said, it's either that or else. I said, I'd love to do it. Now, let me explain that. At least you misinterpret what I just said Jesus said. Jesus is not a bully. <laughs> but he was telling me by doing that, he knew if I said no to that, then I'm in rebellion. And sometimes I already have a target on me as a man of God, especially a prophet. I mean, I don't know why the devil seems to hate the prophets at least with the, just the strength of ugliness. Yeah, I mean, I could take, I'm not teaching on prophets tonight. But anyway, and I really didn't want to do that. I was just fine pastoring, but God wouldn't leave me alone. He started dealing, even before I got in the ministry, he dealt with me about it, but I wasn't smart enough to see it. Yeah, I'm just a real deal. I'll tell you exactly how I live and whatever. I'm talking to you. So they've been sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation or I like to say because this was written 2,000 years ago I am an heir of salvation I'm not going to be I already and all of us that are saved or born again then you're already an heir and not just an heir I might say but a joint heir with Jesus Christ and I like to add this on if that won't put you over honey you're done 
You might as well go on off the planet. You're not going nowhere until you realize your identification is with Jesus. You're, you're not a sub-heir. The devil worked triple time on you to beat you up over what your parents told you about yourself, what your last marriage partner told, them about, told you about yourself, or somebody that doesn't like you told you about yourself. But that's not your opinion unless you take it. You need to identify with Jesus. He's delivered us from all of that stuff. Now, listen, I, I'd like people to like me, but I'm not that ignorant anymore. I used to be ignorant like a lot of people. think well, Everybody loves me. You're crazy. That's what you are. You're not even rational anymore. And especially if you're going to make a stand on the word and really go for the word. Okay. But I wanted to talk to you just for a second, then we're moving into some things. It says, are they not all ministering spirits? This word ministering here is an interesting word. And one of my sons, uh, maybe two or three years ago, I mentioned that I had a little collegiate dictionary, a little red one from Webster, but it's been modernized. They changed a lot of the definitions. But they have one that Noah Webster put together. It's about this thick. It costs about $150, $200. One of my sons bought it for me and brought it to me. And so when I looked this word up in that dictionary, because Noah Webster, when he wrote a definition, he put scriptures out at the end to show you where that's located and why he got that. So on the word ministering here, he says, it is to give aid or service to the sick. Now, see, I told you I had a healing ministry, and I told you this, too. I didn't tell you everything. I told you about the one with the laser that comes out of his finger. That's just one, but we've got several. But uh, it says to give aid or service to the sick. So the angels have a part in that. You know, some, I don't see them in every given service, per se, but they work with me. Again, listen, I don't have to see them anymore. I know they're there, for I know my Bible. They go to church. All right. And then when I leave, they go with me, the, the ones that belong to me. Okay, let, I'm not done with that definition. That was out of the Webster's. This is out of the Greek. It says to function publicly as a benefit. So the angels are helping to function publicly with me as a benefit. I told you this morning, didn't I tell you about the lady that wasn't a gymnast? And how the angel, the Lord said, step back. And he, he wasn't mad at me. He just said, just, I was going to do that. He said, step back. You know, you need to obey God. I mean, I could have fudged over and said, well, I'm not going to do that. And just laid my hands on her. She may not got healed because I'm in disobedience. He showed me the vision to get her up here. Earlier in the day, you follow what I'm saying? She's in a car accident. She confirmed everything I said was accurate. But he wanted to train me. He said, hell, go back. So, so I'm just waiting. i got to hear from heaven what I'm going to do now. And he said, one of the healing angels that works with you, you tell her he's going to take care of this personally. I said, well, lady, he said there's nothing wrong with me laying hands on you, but he told me that he wanted one of the healing angels that work with me tonight to minister to you personally, so lift your hands. And she did, and I told you about how she <laughs> looked. I don't know how they ever did that. It was a supernatural thing. But it says they want to function. This is from the Greek New Testament. In verse 14, I'm still talking about this word ministering. They want to function as a public, in a public setting as a benefit sometimes. Yeah. I had a, I had a lady in my church, well, Met a lot of ladies and men. Let me start over. In 1995, I think I said this morning, I preached 15 Wednesday nights in a row on angels. Never got done what I knew back then. 
you know, I'm not a super brilliant guy, but I am a studious person, especially things that God's assigned to me to learn about. And with all the questions people have about angels, I mean, it's massive. If we could just teach it and they just get a hold, we'd just go further and quicker. But sometimes there's so much that needs to be foundationally laid in people that for them to even see it. You know, and the, the most important message I haven't told you yet is the one I'm going to preach on your authority over them. Because if I said, well, God's over oh, yeah, I knew that. Well, what about you? Well, no, I don't know about that. Well, I thought you weren't a sub-air. I thought you were a joint air. That's what I told you you were. That's what the Bible teaches. And again, I'm reminding you, there's not just Jesus' head in the chair next to God at the throne. It's not a head up there sitting in a chair. If I sound graphic, you just have to deal with it. I'm just reality. No, I'm in Christ and you're in Christ. So his head is on his body, which is us, and we're all seated there together at the right hand of God. All right. Well, this is really interesting here. So anyway, I was preaching in 95, and every Wednesday night when I get done teaching, I say, if you're sick or have disease or symptoms, or sometimes I would just take off in word of knowledge, Get up here if you have sore throats. Get up here if you have an ear infection. Get up here if you have a bad knee. Get up here if you have a heart problem. You know, I might go like that. And sometimes I do stuff like that. Yeah. And one time, at one time, I was at my own church, and I, I rattled out about 20 words of knowledge. Yeah. And people just kept coming. I had my eyes closed. I was calling things out, and people would respond if that was them. Anyway, this one particular night, I remember on a Wednesday night, I went down and ministered to everybody, came back up to the pulpit, which is a little elevated, maybe two steps. I looked over here, and there was a lady I knew pretty well. Her name was Kim, and she had her hands out. They had one of those claws on her, like you got the blue basket over there. I guess that's what that's for. But I could see her hands out here because she's laying flat on the carpet, and all of a sudden, all this activity comes across her down in her lower abdomen. I just knew that, was, that wasn't normal, and there wasn't a squirrel loose in the building or something. I'm, trying, I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm just, so I didn't, I'm not like somebody, you know, run to her as soon as she gets off the floor. Hey, tell me what happened to you. I want to know right now. I left her alone. And I caught her two weeks later in the foyer. I said, Kim, can I talk to you a minute privately? Yeah, she stepped over. I said, listen, I saw something in the spirit. I don't know if anybody else even noticed it, but I did. And I said, you came in the prayer line. I saw your hand, so you weren't doing anything to, you know, and I saw this activity in your lower abdomen. Can you tell me about it? If it's too personal, you don't have to tell me. Well, I had female problems. I'm not going to tell you the exact. I said, I don't need to know. But it said, when I fell out on the floor, two angels flew in. Now, she's seeing something now. And the, the one on one side reached in me and pulled that part out. The one on this side had a replacement part, stuck it in me. And, and she told me just a couple years ago, that was 1995, she's never had another symptom. I'd say that ought to be evidence that the angels fixed her. No scars, no downtime except how, as long as she laid on the carpet, which would have been five or ten minutes. I'm guessing maybe not even that long. We've had a lot of things like that. Just excited about it. So we're talking here about to function publicly as a benefit. That was a public situation. You following me? All right. So let's, let's see here where I want to go. I, well, let's go back here to Job chapter 4. Uh, can anything, and I will do this because people always act like Job's terrible. Hey, something good came out of Job. His name's Job. 
He had a battle axe for a wife. I don't know what was her issue. No, I mean, really, if I was married to somebody and I was sick, won't you just curse God and die, Michael? What kind of wife is that? One that I wouldn't need. I'm not being mean that that's just, that's atrocious that she would say that to her own husband. And, you know, she ends up being removed and then he married somebody else and had plenty of kids again. I mean, wow. And he, and he got double what he had, if I remember right. But anyway, you know, his friends, his so-called friends were trying to help him, but they didn't help him much. But I'm going to talk to you, I want to talk to you tonight about personal angels. So I'm starting here because there's some important revelation comes out of Job on this subject of angels. Uh, and it's here, you know, in Job 4.18, and you could read around it later. The next verse says, how much less uh, them that are in houses of clay. So he's not talking about a being in a house of clay. Guess what you got on your body? Clay. You know, that's clay. When you get, when you're buried, it all rots off. Your flesh does because it's just made of clay. It's got clay and water. And, but, but he's talking about a different kind of being in verse 18. So let me read it first from the King James and then from the Amplified. Behold, he put no trust, he put no faith, we would say, in his servants, this is Job's servant, and his angels, his angels, he charged with folly, or we would say foolishness would be a better word there. But I want to read the, the Amplified says, he puts no trust or faith or confidence in his heavenly servants. He's not talking about, hey, make me some eggs, will you? Hey, make sure you clean that bathroom good, so-and-so. No, that's not it. These are heavenly servants, but he has no faith in them. Had no faith in them. Well, number one, people don't have faith because people ask me this a lot. How is it you have a lot of angelic ministry around you personally and in your ministry? I said, you ever taught it? Well, no. I said, well, then go buy my book and teach it out of there just to get started. But you need to teach something, you know, to your people. I know pastors... I was a pastor a long time. You've got to teach people everything. I mean, you do. I'm not making fun of humans. I was there one time, too. I didn't know anything about anything. But, I mean, you know, after all these years in ministry, dealing with human beings, the body of Christ, the sheep, the, goat, and the goats, and the wolves, you know, all together sometimes. I realized things. So now watch. He didn't put any faith in his heavenly servants and his angels. You know, this is my Bible. These are my notes. This is my tie. Those things belong to me. They're, they're associated with me. They're not yours. They're mine. And just like you have certain things on, maybe a piece of jewelry, a watch, or you know, earring for ladies, or a bracelet, that's yours. So it says he didn't put any faith in his heavenly servants. And it reminds me of today somewhat. And his angels, you know, I mean, I've heard grown-up adult preachers that I guess they thought they knew something. They were at a funeral preaching, and they said, well, God needed another angel. That's the way he took your mother. That's the worst thing in the world to tell some child that's burying his mother or father or grandma or whoever. No, angels don't become people, and people don't become angels. That, that is not scriptural. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so far in that, just that common thinking here, even human beings don't know if they're male or female anymore. I tell them, go strip down in front of a mirror by yourself and look, and whatever you got, that's who you are. Is that simple enough? Oh, I can't believe you said that. There's a lot you can't believe about me yet. <laughs> when you have to deal with homosexuals and lesbians that try to come in your church, and they don't know if they're boys, girls, or a little of both. 
All right, I'm, I'm not mad at them. I'll get them saved if they'll let me, but I won't let them come in and just hold hands with each other and make out in the aisle. Okay, you're not ready for me tonight, I don't think. I know about politically correct. I could give a you-know-what about it. He put no trust in his servants, and we have to get beyond that where we have some faith in these heavenly servants that God's assigned to, you know, just like secret service. Now, I watched the special the other night. It's kind of interesting because I study on angels, and I always say, you have secret service assigned to you. You maybe don't see it. You don't know it. You don't realize it. Everybody here, I'm guessing, that's at least 15 to 20, you had an event in your life already once or maybe many times. I was a drug addict. I had a lot of events where I didn't think I was going to get out of that room alive. Uh, where you almost drowned. You almost had a serious car wreck. You almost got shot. You know, if you run with rough people, you almost got stabbed or shot or whatever. And you, you get on the other side of it and you feel weird for a few seconds there. You go, uh, I don't understand what just happened, but this, how did I get through that? And Miss Dona here, Pastor Dona, right here, she was in a car, and there was a car coming towards her on her side, I think you said, and it got right up to her, and the car just jumped over her car entirely and set itself back down on the other side and kept going. Didn't even hit her car. Is that correct? I don't think the wind did that either. I'm just talking to you. Catch up with me. I mean, people are always trying to make everything a coincidence. <laughs> now, so we need to realize this about these servants, and it says his angels he charged with folly. Now, if you charge your angels with foolishness, like talking contrary to the Bible, what are they going to do for you? Nothing. They just stand and look at you. But they're not moving because you're not talking in agreement with this. I would say it this way. I wrote my book a long time ago. I would say words are the fuel that, men, that your angels run on. If you don't give them any words to fuel their tank, they're not going nowhere. Okay, just thought I'd tell you that. We'll talk about that this week. Hopefully I have time. But now I want to take you to another place before we go on with this comment here. See, you have angels assigned to you. And you have to have faith in them, and then you have to charge them, or really the word would be speak to them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, speak to them. When it says God charged his angel, he didn't charge them $1.50 to be an angel. Listen, <laughs> he charged them with his words. Hello. I want you to go to, thank you, Revelation 22 with me. i got to pick this up for our thinking here. This will help us. I hope it helps you. i got a lot of verses. People say, man, you got a lot of scriptures. You have no idea. When 25 years ago I preached an hour and a half, I got irritated at you if you got up to use the bathroom. Because I've seen those same people at a movie for three hours buy a 72-ounce Pepsi and never pee once. They sat there for five hours watching that movie. They come to church, they got to go four or five times. What's up with that? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Don't smoke anything. I feel mean on the devil tonight. <laughs> Revelation 22. I'm going to prove to you that angels are your servants. Here, here it goes. It's right here. Uh, chapter 22, Revelation, verse 8 and 9. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. 
Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not. This is the angel talking back to John. For I am your fellow servant, and of the brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. Really, it's he says, I'm your servant. Yeah. 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 You know, so the angels are servants to us. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Now let's go. Let's go. Where am I at? Let's see. Let's go back to Genesis 48 a minute. And we're still along this line, just starting here, about personal angels. Angels that are personally assigned to you or me to help us. And they do a lot of different things. I was in Mexico. I've been to Mexico probably, I don't know, 50 or 60 times in my life. And uh, I was in Manzanillo. I took a youth group down there. I used to go to that church a long time ago, Pastor Maria Rancun, a lady pastor, with a friend of mine that's an apostle. He lives up by me now, but at that time he lived in Mexico for 30 years. Then he went to Morocco and all that, different things. But we went to her, her church to have a crusade, and I brought about 30 teenagers with me and some other adults to help me with them. And we did a thing there at her church and helped do some things. Well, we had a crusade, and I was there in her church preaching on angels. And one night, I think, I don't know if it was the first night, one of the nights said, if you have heart problems, get up here. And there was about 10 people came, eight or 10. And I started with this guy right here. Now, what was going to happen, I never had no what do you call it, premonition that's going to occur, but this is what happened. You don't go to hell for lying if you think I'm t not telling you the truth. I'm only telling you what I've seen and what I've heard. And sometimes I don't I tell the whole thing because it gets too lengthy. But anyway, I laid hands on this guy's head. He was there for heart problems. So I said, Father, either give me a new heart or restore this one. When I put my hand on his head, an angel came around my side like this. He stuck his arm about that far into that guy's chest, just stuck it in there. And what it looked like to me with my eyes, it looked like he's undoing a, a safe, like did you spin it one way and back? But I knew he was fixing that guy's heart. Now here's interesting, when I took my hand off his head, he took his hand up. Next one was a woman, same thing. Laid hands, I laid hands on all of them on their head. The same thing, the angel came around, same angel, stuck his hand in there and he started fixing stuff with all eight of them. So when it's over, the lady, there was the second one in line, she ran to me. Did you see an angel put his hand in my chest? I said, did an angel put his hand in your chest? <laughs> Sometimes when people do me that way, I just play dumb and see if they really know what they're saying. Yes, I did see that, she said. I said, what happened when he took it out? All the symptoms left. I said, yeah, I saw it. I just want to be sure you saw it. You didn't need to see it, but you did, didn't you? Yeah, she said, I heard he put his hand in my chest and was fixing my heart. Praise God. You know, they know how to do pretty good surgery, I'm telling you. Anyway, so we're over here. Now, this is Jacob. This is the same man we read about this morning in the 28th chapter. And between 28 and 48, he had chapter 32 where he wrestled with an angel. Not only that, he prevailed. Yeah, that's something to think about. Your authority. Even back then, those people had authority they didn't realize, I don't think. But he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And he was kind of, uh, Jacob was kind of a shady character. Yeah, yeah, he was. So they changed his name from supplanter, deceiver, to prince with God, which yeah. is Israel. So we're talking about the same man, he's just named Israel now. Same person, but he's been changed by the power of God. So his son brings two grandsons to him. Verse 14, let's pick it up there. And Israel stretched out his right hand, laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands Wittingly just means skillfully for Manasseh 
was the firstborn. He should have put normal, the right hand on the firstborn, but Manasseh had disqualified himself through some activity in his life. So the younger brother got that blessing. And he blessed Joseph. Joseph is, this, the, is, is Israel's son who brought these two grandsons and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. Now look, notice this, he has a long life. Now remember, and I'm just saying this for you to think about, you don't have to go there if you don't want to listen to me, you can, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't veer away from me right now. Psalm 91 says about verse 10, 11, he gives his angels charge over you to keep you from all evil, and that includes sickness and disease and no plagues. And then four verses later, he says, I will satisfy thee with long life. So I'm just putting the two together. Plus, you know, in Hebrews 2 and 3, we didn't read that yet, but if you didn't, how are we going to escape if we neglect this type of salvation? Not talking about new birth there, it's talking about being delivered from temporary evils in the planet with the angelic help. Are you listening to me? Yeah. So what I'm saying, listen, there's more to it than this, but long life, at least in part, is only going to come, listen, if you employ the angels to help you. You could eat all the broccoli you want and still die in a car wreck. You know that? And I, I'm not putting down broccoli. It's good for you. Eat all you want. But don't put your faith in broccoli. Put your faith in Almighty God. All right. Then he's going to give us more insight. Still Israel talking. The angel, singular, which delivered me, singular. So it must have been assigned to him. And he delivered me from all evil. Now, Deuteronomy, if you want to write this somewhere where you're writing, if you'd like, it's Deuteronomy 7:15, where the Lord says, I will deliver you from the evil diseases of Egypt. I'm not, listen, I'm not saying you're evil if you're sick. I'm saying the one that brought the sickness is the evil one. And here it says the angel redeemed me. Or we, the better word from that, I like the word redemption, but delivered. He delivered me from all evil. And that's just anything. Bless the lads and let my name be named on them in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Not get drunk at the senior prom and get killed hitting a telephone pole right. Right. with a car full of teenagers. Right. And somebody I know did that. Yeah. You know. Anyway, I'm just talking. And I'll just say one thing and I've got to move on. I've got a lot to cover tonight. It's kind of interesting, though. This seems like in this setting... And again, the angel that was with him, he's not going to heaven. I already told you that this morning. This is one example. That angel is in the earth. That's where he stays. Remember, these are they whom the Lord has sent. What's the comment? To walk to and fro through the earth. Not to live in heaven down here. And by the way, I don't know why you need an angel in heaven to do anything for you. <laughs> I don't study a lot on heaven. I'm just trying to get through this life with some victory. I grew up in the church where they always skipped the third stanza of the, every song. Southern Baptist. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be, that will be. And we used to sing that all the time. I always skipped the third stanza. And I finally said out loud to the Lord one time, what about the lousy here and now? You got anything for that? He said, I sure do. I said, hmm. And I was just a Baptist kid then before I went into ministry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
But it seems like that angel stayed with his family. And I'll, I'll just tell you what Grandpa said. said, you take care of these grandsons. My wife already went to heaven, so this doesn't apply to her. But I said, you know, if I go first, I'm not planning to go anywhere. You bring all the grandkids to me, and I'm going to pray and minister to them, lay my hands on them, prophesy for it, go, go home. Well, so let's go to Matthew 18. You heard me say this morning, Matthew 18, you heard me say, if Jesus never talked about this, I'm certainly not. But he has. We've already read some of the scriptures where he needed angelic help. Remember when he was with the wild beast and when he's in the garden praying? Now, you don't think so. You just need to put yourself in that position. Oh, come on. Yeah, come on. True. I mean, crucifixion was a terrible, terrible ordeal for anybody to live through in their physical body. So, you know, and then the fact that he knows he's going to become sin. So he understands, and sickness and disease and all mental problems and all kinds of sick, just the whole thing. And no wonder it says he didn't look like a human being. And Isaiah, it says he was marred. That's kind of a polite way to say he didn't look like a man. He was marred beyond recognition almost when they hung him up on that tree. They beat him after death first and used that thing with metal and glass in it to open his skin up. It's just terrible. But he did it for us, so I'm thankful, Jesus. <laughs> he, bore so, he bore things that we don't have to bear. Again, identifying with the right person. All right. Now, here in Matthew 18, 10, he makes a statement. Uh, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. And I did an extensive study on that one time. Found out these children were extremely young. For I say unto you that in heaven, and remember we explained that to you this morning, the three different levels of heaven. So it could have just been from the realm of the spirit. That in heaven, their angels, T-H-E-I-R, their angels, possess it. There's angels assigned to your children, every one of them. Now, I know some of you, if you're thinking, you probably think, well, now, Dr. Jacobs, what about children that die young or even die prematurely or whatever? What about it? I mean, what do you want me to tell you? There's a thousand answers. I don't know the parents. I don't know the preacher they sat under, if they sat under anybody at all. And if they sat under somebody didn't know nothing, they don't know nothing either. And people just don't understand what I'm teaching. I mean, you are, I think you're trying to get it with me. I hope you will. So when you say, why did that happen? I don't know. The devil's mean. That would be my first. And secondly, I don't know what the parents knew or didn't know. And how about this? How about secret sins that you do? Or your grandpa did, or your aunt did, that you don't know nothing about. You don't know a thing about it, but sure enough, that was what happened. And those things try to visit on you as you grow up. That was in your family on the negative side. Okay, and you got you got to resist that. You know, if your mother died with breast cancer and you had two aunts have it, and you got a problem in your breast as a lady, you might. You probably understand what I'm saying. Don't let the devil talk you into that. Don't buy into that. When you got born again, you got a whole new set of genes. And I'm not talking Levi's. I'm talking genes in my body. <laughs> Every day I get up and say, Father, I just believe for perfect balance today in my body. And all the hormones that my brain does that I don't know anything about, let it be balanced perfectly by the Holy Ghost. I just say that out loud to myself every day. I'm not even sure if I seem balanced to you the way some of you are looking at me, but. I wanted to explain this, though, because Jesus put a personal 
pronoun in there, their angels. Yeah. Not their parents' angels, their angels. Yeah. Not their grandpa's angels, their angels. Yeah. Personal yeah. angels. And <laughs> it's just amazing. And he says, their angels always behold the face of the Father. Now listen to me carefully or you'll miss what I'm going to say. First of all, we know that when you're in the spirit, time and distance don't seem to play an important part. If I say Father in the name of I'm already in heaven, spiritually speaking, because I know how to ask Father for something. In the name of Jesus, I pray thus and such based on the word. Then I'm assured that he's hearing me and that I have an audience with him. Are you listening? So I didn't see him. But now listen, how about Isaiah? Remember him? Isaiah in the Old Testament chapter 6, I think it is. In the year the king Uzziah died, that's the king over Israel at the time. I saw the Lord high and lifted up in his train or his robe filled the temple. And I saw the seraphim flying around the throne going, crying, holy, holy, holy. <laughs> they're, massive, they're massive structures. They've got six wings. I mean, they're something else. And their voices carries a lot of weight because it said when he went by the, the doorways in the, in the temple, they shook at their voice. That takes some power because I used to work construction. You double, you double put double two-bys or whatever you're doing around the door to keep it from falling in on people. And so, and then one of them broke rank, one of these seraphims, and they have hands too, as well as six wings. He went to the, coal, the hot coal on the fire before God got a hot coal and went over and touched Isaiah's lips. He didn't give fever blisters. He listened to me, but he knew he was talking wrong. I don't think he was telling dirty jokes or cussing. I think he was just talking out of line with the word. And then he said, I dwell among a people. So he must have heard what they said because they are unclean lips. When you think unclean, you think it's all provocative or nasty, but it's just that you're not talking right to your unclean lips. You're talking things that are anti-scriptural, not in line with the scripture. But now, Hosea's feet were in this earth. He was in the same year that his king was buried, and he looked into heaven, and he saw all this heavenly scene, and one of them broke rank and touched and purged him. He said, now I'm purged. Who, who will go? And he said, here am I, send me now. So I'm just pointing that out to you about, remember, time and distance. Isaiah was in this planet, but he saw into heaven. So your heavenly, your angels assigned to you and your children, they have to be with you. This is the way the Lord showed it to me. Uh, what is that country that was so violent a couple of years ago? I've used it. Somalia. Man, those people are ruthless. And, of course, there's a lot of bullies like that around the planet. I know what I'd like to do, but I'm going to stay off of that. I'm not special ops. I am for God, but not in that realm. <laughs> they got a special ops angel knows how to take care of 185,000 men in one night. He's a bad motor scooter. Ain't no kung fu, ain't no boxer, ain't no wrestler, ain't no MMA guy that tough to kill 185,000 men in one night that are warriors already. They're not sitting around cooking beans. They're, they're tough guys. Just like the two that showed up, you know, when Jesus, that angel came, rolled that stone back, you know, they said they're going to come steal his body and you're going to lose your, yeah. your job in the city, all your income, and your perks yeah. at all the restaurants that they want to feed you a meal. Yeah, I'm just making up stuff, but it's pretty accurate. And he called over to the, you know, army and said, put SWAT on this. I want some men over there that know how to handle themselves. Don't let anybody touch this guy's body. Because they said, He'll, they'll steal his body and say he rose from the dead. You got no way to prove he didn't, yeah. da, da, da. So he put his toughest guys over there, but the angel came, Matthew 28, you can read it yourself. And lightning came and everything lit up, and this angel sat on that stone. It takes eight men to roll that stone in place. Took one angel, he just rolled it away. 
and these guys shook for fear. They fainted. They're pretty tough guys. I mean, in the natural, they've been in war and they know how to hurt other people and <laughs> guard themselves. But they just shook and fell out because they were scared. I told you, these angels, if you don't have faith and you see one, you're going to have to have huggies. I'm not kidding you a bit. You just, you, they're, just, they're just that way. They're sweet, but they're, they're some, they know how to handle themselves. And they know how to handle other people in your behalf. One guy told me I preached on angels, you know, 42 years you hear free stories. This guy said, my wife and I got divorced and I had uh, my baby girl with me. I think she was five. That's before they said we need to put on seat belts. She's sitting in the passenger side. He went around a curb. The door flew open. She fell out and went straight out in midair. She's three feet off the ground. Yeah, and, you know, he's, he goes, Jesus, and she's already three feet away from him. The door's open. She's out over the pavement. <laughs> and when he gets to the end of the curb, the angels put her in softly and shut the door. Now, that's really what I'm talking about now. Yeah. So, anyway. Now, so Jesus believed that people had angels assigned to them, and I do too. Now, you get into all these questions about what, what about this, what about, I don't know about what about. I don't know anybody but myself. I'm not judging you or anybody else. I just know this. If you do what the Bible says to do, listen, and you do it right, then you're okay. But you think you can do anything you want, say anything you want, live any way you want, act any way you want, be mad at somebody for something they did to you, you're in trouble. You're just in big trouble. And then when you need your faith to work, it's not working because you've got a lot of backed up resentment and bitterness. And I don't understand this. Well, you don't understand it because you're not paying attention. You know, faith works every time you work it if it's faith. Now, I know what people call faith, and I think faith sometimes is not the same thing. I can't vouch for anybody but myself, and sometimes I've missed it. Anybody want to raise their hand to that? Thank you. I've got some pastors up here. Thank you. So, but I just know if we work the word right, and he put these angels in. We've already said this, I don't know how many times, Hebrews 1.14, to minister for us and to, to us. And they're a benefit. And I went back and looked that up today in my notes. I, I told you about Weymouth. He said they're a benefit, but then I looked on another page and I had another definition for a benefit. It was an advantage. So with the angels in my life, listen to me, I have an advantage that other people don't have. Not because they can't, they don't know anything about it. You can't believe for what you're not taught. That's impossible. You can't have faith for anything unless you're taught about it. I know I preached a long time this morning. You're being, liber you're being very liberal with me. Thank you. But now let's go to the book of Revelation here. I just want to show you this is interesting, I think. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. And I'll show you about Jesus. And we're going to move on. And I hope to get to this other section tonight, which is angels and churches. I don't know if you know that every church that's a real church, I'm not talking about the name of the church. I don't think it matters a lot to God fully. You know, when people say, well, what are you? Well, Lutheran, Baptist, I mean, they're all different, but they all started in revival or they wouldn't even be here today. But after you get used to something after a while, you become familiar with it. It loses its edge. So my book on spiritual fathers is called Getting Your Axe Back. You know, when you have a spiritual father, you can help you get your edge back. Because if it's not sharp, you, it says you wear yourself out cutting wood. 
A lot of, there's a lot of believers doing that. They're just wore out, and they've just been spending their... I'll get off of that. Now, Jesus has a personal angel because, I've told you this morning, he was born here. He was born the only legal way for entrance into this planet is through the womb of a woman. That's, there's no other way to get here. Not legally to be a man. And so because he was birthed here, he got a personal angel too. Let's read about him. It's the same one that John tried to worship later in the book I just showed you. But here's the beginning of it. Verse 1, chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it, or revealed it, by his angel unto his servant John. This is the apostle John. He's an old man. But anyway, Jesus sent his angel. Now, I don't think the angel was with him. It doesn't say it was, so I didn't read that into that. But life, he's just like Jacob. Jacob's angel didn't go home with him. I remember when my dad passed away, my mom, she had on a nightgown or something, and it was just a funny thought. My dad saw some angels in the room. They were men looking, and he said, Joyce, zip your thing up there. I don't know. <laughs> and, and, you know, I was just with my wife when she passed away last September, and one of the nurses came in, the head nurse for the whole floor, and she said, you know, you're a preacher, right? And I said, yes, I am. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, I, I, you can ask it. I don't know if I can answer it. Well, you know, there's a lot of people die on this floor every day, and I'm the head nurse over all the nurses on this whole floor. There must have been, I don't know how many rooms on that floor. There was a north wing and a south wing and all that. She said, but when I'm in a room and somebody's getting ready to leave, not everybody, but a lot of times, I sense there's other beings in the room. I said, you're sensing right. If they're saved, it's angels. If they're not, it'd be devils. But there's a lot, of saved, a lot of saved people. Maybe they're just barely saved, but they did receive Jesus. And, and they're going to go to heaven. And so they, they come at the end of their life. Now, not the one that's watched over them, because they're getting ready to leave. But the ones that are, I call it a heavenly escort. You know, so, you, you know, I mean, you know, God put those there to escort you to heaven so you're not fearful. What a great thought our Heavenly Father had. He's just all, all composing. He knows how to fix everything. I'm not thinking about going, but when I do, I appreciate that. If, you know, if, anyway. So Jesus had, it says, his angel. That's his personal angel. Now, one time, though, somebody, he said, I think it's Matthew 25, something like that, 20-something. You could look up one scripture for yourself. I'm practically using 80 scriptures while I'm here, so... I'm just throwing that at you. He said, I could call 12 legions. According to my understanding of that, that's about 72,000 angels. Somebody said, well, that was Jesus. Well, he was son of God. But, you know, uh, 1 John 3 and 1 and 2 says you're now sons of God. Me and you. Even the ladies. I explained that this morning. I won't go back over that. But So we're seeing there's a lot to these personal angels. And I thought about this. I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I like to think things like this. You remember back in Sodom and Gomorrah, a wicked city, and Lot, he's so whacked out. He didn't even realize that Abraham, the reason he's blessed because he was with his uncle Abraham. He was the covenant guy. The covenant of all covenants seemed like he was just walking with God. But anyway, they got over there, and those men in the city were so wicked, they didn't want women. They wanted those two angels. And... Um, Job, he's so whacked out now, he moved to the wrong city. 
you know, wherever you live, if you if you need to figure that out where you live, if that's a good place to live or something. Man, you're a big boy and girl, I know, but listen, you you're not as big as you think you are sometimes. Because I heard Lester Summerall said to somebody, don't move out in that part of California because that's a porn industry. Well, we got a good marriage. He said, well, maybe you do now, but maybe you know you need to think about it before you move your family out there with your wife. And but Lester Summerall, he's a lot more than all of us put together when it came to the devil, in my opinion. I'm trying to catch him, but I'm doing pretty good at moving with him. Anyway. Anyway. So we're, we're just talking. I was saying something there. Anyway. All right. Let's, let's do this. Let's go, to, um, uh, let's go to Psalm 34. And the reason I'm going there is because I said to the Lord, it's been many years ago now, that I said, what kind of scripture would you give me, Father, or what kind of premise should I use for helping people to see how to qualify for angelic help? Yeah. Is it just automatic? <laughs> and he said, there's nothing automatic in the spirit world. No. I like to teach this, but, you know, I don't want to take you too far out. That spirit world, that unseen world, is so, this is what I'm saying to you, it is so highly regulated. It's not like the way people live in the planet. They're just helter-skelter. Even people in this day. This is the most, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Help me find that, Father. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, 35. What's that word I'm looking for? I'm going to have to look it up if somebody can't help me here. Distracted. This is the most distracted generation I've ever seen in the planet. And you young people, man, I mean, the devil and your parents will keep you so busy you don't even have time for God. Sometimes that's just true. It's pathetic, but it's just the way I see it. And you go to all their ball games and you do this and you do that. And well, shouldn't they have some record? Yeah, but that doesn't mean they have to do everything every night of the week. And you got to move a God to church. Well, I can't come that night. I'm going to Sister Susie's thing and, and, and Brother Kenny's thing. And what about Jesus' thing? I'm just talking. You can do what you want with it. I just made my mind up. Amen. And I just, you know, I lose my best. This is what me try to not be overly distracted about anything. I try to simplify my life every single day that I live. I try to simplify. So what could I do to simplify that? Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to call so and so and have him do that for me because he would be glad to help me and over here to do that. Because I'm not a prima donna, but I don't want to be so stretched out. I have no time to pray anymore. I have no time to seek God. By the way, thank you for a nice room over there. I like that hotel. It's clean and it's good. So I said to the Lord, Lord, what would you give me? So he gave me this verse, and you have to listen because I'm going to make some quality statements here that I don't know if you would see it automatically or not, but I saw it. Uh, verse 7, this is the verse he gave me. I'm giving you what I think Father is saying to us, that this would be a way to live, to stay qualified for angelic help. That's what I'm talking to you about. It's not like you got to, you know, it's not like you have to run the gambit, but you need to be aware that you have angels and not charge them with foolishness and not have no faith in them. You got to have faith that they can do what they said they'll do, which number one thing is to protect us. And then in my book, I listed about 10 or 12 things I thought was important to know. They can bring you money. They're not counterfeiters either. 
They could help you with your children. They can help you in time of temptation like we saw Jesus this morning. Helped. I mean, when I saw that, I thought, what in the world was I thinking that I... And some people act like they didn't even need them. I said, well, you... Jesus needed them. You don't think you need them? What kind of person are you? Are you above him? I don't think so. I think he's the master and we're the students here. We're learning from him. All right, I'll get off you. Your toes will heal. It'll be okay. <laughs> the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, fear God, and delivereth them. Now, I'm going to correct something here because there is an angel of the Lord, but this isn't him because, let me tell you, angels can only be one place at one time. They're not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is omni, omnipresent, I think, which means present everywhere. If I got on a plane tonight and ended up in Egypt tomorrow, he would be with me when I got off the plane. He'd still be there because he's everywhere in the earth at the same time. Because he's God. The Holy Ghost is God. But an angel can only be in one place at one time. So it could have been just one angel because he, he delivers them, plural. So just listen to me. You can catch it. It's not hard. I'm just pointing something out. And I know people want to argue, well, there's an angel of the Lord, Dr. Jacobs. Yeah, I said there was an angel. But this isn't him because he'd have to be in... However many Christians there are on the planet, be with all of us at the same time. But that's not true. I think, too, you got to look at it this way. The angels of the Lord are angels. Let me say it to you different. God is the creator of angels. So in one sense, they all belong to him because they're their creator. But he has given them charge over us in this earth where we live now to help us get through here. And you can even get to the point you're a First John 5 person. The evil one touches you not. Yeah, like Dorothy. We're not in Kansas anymore. Remember uh, Glenda the good witch? There's no such thing, but there's no such thing as a good witch. If you're a witch, you're evil. I don't care what color you are. But, you know, Disney's made all that palatable to all of us. And, and the other lady that writes all those books, uh, Harry Potter... It's all a ploy to get us, our minds screwed up about what's really good and what's not good. I just know this is working for me. I'm going to stay with it. So let, let's break this down a little bit. The angel of the Lord, uh, it says here, encampeth. So I looked that up. It meant in the Webster's to encircle or surround us. The angel encircles us or surrounds us. It says for those who... Fear him, fear the Lord, not the angel, but fear the Lord. And the, worship, the word for fear in the Hebrew is to worship, respect, and devotion, to respect in word or action. So what I'm saying is I'm not making fun of anybody here. Don't get offended. You won't get anything. Let's do be carefully. Praise team's up here. We're all raising our hand. And that's, hey, I didn't know the verses were behind me. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, somebody may say, raise your hands or whatever. And we raise our hands because we're obedient and we're worshiping God, too. Sometimes he didn't have to say that to some of us. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not what this is talking about. Just no. come to church and worship for five or ten minutes. No. And what about at home today or wherever you live? Or have you, have you had any time at all just to bless him and worship him? I don't mean pray. No, no. I don't mean praying for your family and the city and the nation and... I mean, that has its place, of course. And to pray for your pastors, of course, and your brothers and sisters. But that's not what that's... In other words, I become, I should be becoming, according to this word here in the Hebrew, a worshiper of God with respect towards Him. And I'm devoted to Him. 
when I say that, if I'm a member of a local church, I love my pastor. And then I love the brothers and sisters that are in that church. I'm not criticizing them, trying to put them down or judge them and all that all the time. You get in that, you're going to end up in bad shape. God's going to, you know, he's going to speak to you. I'm telling you, if you spend enough time with God, he'll put his finger on the thing that's your issue. Like he did Isaiah. <laughs> I'm a man of unclean lips, God forgive me. And that angel touched him and said, now your sin's purged, it's removed. But you have to spend time in God to know that. Or you just go on blindly thinking you're great. You're all right. You're two bags of chips. Now, you are great in the eyes of God. He loves you. I'm not trying to put anybody down, but I'm trying to help us think. When this is saying to me, I need to be in a worshipful attitude and respect God, be devoted to him. And in my words and in my actions. I'm a very generous person. I don't mind telling you that. That's why I'm a blessed man. I'm very generous. But... You know, what I do in the, when I stay in a room, now I haven't done that yet because I haven't had any room service. But you know what I mean, where somebody's going to come clean my bathroom and all that. But every time I'm in a hotel, typically I go to the front desk and I usually give them $40. And don't, don't get upset. And said, give this to the maid and I don't want her to touch my bed. Leave it like it is. She don't even need to run the sweeper. I just want the trash removed, fresh towels. Yeah. Give her this or do I need to give it to her? I'll go find her. Yeah. No, I'll give it to her. Okay. And I never have a problem having a clean room. And I also say, I need it clean by this time because I'm going somewhere this morning, but I need a room for myself to pray and get in there later. And, and normally they don't ever give me a, a rough time, the people behind the desk. And the people who are running the sweeper and want to clean my toilet, they're thrilled I gave them $40. I'll tell you a cute story just happened to me in a hotel. It was at somebody's church and... I'm in there, and I needed some extra Kleenex, so I go down the hall, and there's uh, two ladies working on the same room. So I, hey, is anybody in there? Yeah. I said, this, my name's Dr. Jacobs. I'm down in this 307. I don't need my room cleaned today, but do you have an extra box of Kleenex you could give me? I sure do. And she handed me, so I gave her $20. So I went back to my room about five doors down, and in just a minute, there's another knock at the door. And I opened the other lady that was in the room, and she had a box of Kleenex. True story. And she said, here. And I, so hang on. There you go. Now, you might think that's, a, I'm not bragging about it, but listen, people deal with a lot of stuff from human beings. Would you like to clean everybody's room? I wouldn't. You know, and I just know most people are not hygienic like I am. They, they got a mess behind them, whatever. But still, I mean, I still need my room cleaned and stuff, but I'm just talking to you. I try to treat people the way I'd like to be treated, especially in restaurants and stuff. I was going to give him a big tip, but I don't know if that was against protocol here. Brother John, he may be a, you know, five-star. He was six-stars restaurant today. It was over the top, wasn't it? We may just buy him a new car. I'm not sure. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know if you can take me seriously or not with my comments tonight, but I'm very serious. Uh, not about the car, but just about what I'm teaching. <laughs> I have bought about, uh, about 20 different preachers' cars and helped them get cars around the world. Now, right here, uh, let me see here. I was going, okay, yeah, this word here, delivereth them. In the Hebrew, this is what it means, to escape holy. 
to deliver fully, to liberate. So if I, be a, if I will be a legitimate person that loves God and I'm doing my best to respect him, and when I say respect him, I'm going to respect this, even if it goes contrary to my culture, you know, or it goes contrary to what somebody that I like, I don't mean a boyfriend, girlfriend, I mean somebody that I just enjoy being around, and they're just contrary or something, and they're thinking totally different, then I'd have to just make a stand on the word, and hopefully that would work. If it doesn't, then it's just too bad. I'm, I'm not trying to run anybody off, but all right. So, but I think the best example of this, I don't have it written here, but I'm going to tell you, you know, uh, I think it was, uh, shoot, Second uh, Kings 6, I think it was Elisha and his servant. I don't know if I got that right. And, you know, uh, the Assyrian general, he got all of his heads of state together. It's, and I'll tell you how sinners think. They're crazy. Because he got all of his leaders together in one room and said, who's betraying me? Now, who's going to raise their hand? Come on now, legitimate. Who's going to say, it's me, boss. They're going to take your head slick off. Especially like that Abishi that worked with David, man. He just, whoop, there it went. But, but see, there, and so the, his minister of helps guy, he's got his Evian bottle in his pocket. He's got a headband. He's got his new Nikes on. He's running around the city real cool like in the morning. And he sees the whole mountain is filled with enemy soldiers and enemy brigades. And he comes back and says, they got us surrounded, boss. He said, Lord, open his eyes. Well, his eyes were already open naturally, but that's what scared him. But he opened his eyes and the actual army was totally surrounded by angelic beings and chariots of fire. So he told them to come on down. He take, he take them to find the guy they're looking for. Then he prays for God to smite him with blindness. So they're all blind on their horses or walking, holding each other's hand back to Jerusalem. And when he get there in front of that army, he said, okay, open their eyes. And they look and they're in the middle. They could took them all out. And the Bible says they never came again in Elisha's time into Jerusalem to fool with them again. Because one man took care of the whole army. But it looked like the enemy had him surrounded. And that's what happens to us sometimes. We're not looking right. We're looking in the natural instead of looking beyond that. All right. <laughs> now, if you could give me a few more minutes, I don't know. I want to talk about angels and churches and a little bit how angels work with us in the ministry. Uh, first of all, let's go to the book of Revelation again. Revelation, I think it's chapter, um, well, it's chapter 2 and 3, actually, maybe even 4. I don't know. Let me see here. We're going to look here in chapter 2, I think, of the book of Revelation about these seven churches. And, you know, I've heard good people. I respect them, but I disagree totally with what they said because they were just inaccurate. And there wasn't no reason for that. It was, I took Greek in seminary, but that's not the issue here. The issue is you didn't pay attention. Somebody didn't pay attention because the word angel, there's seven churches. And in each setting, I'm just going to make this kind of brief here because I've got a couple other things to say. Every church had an angel assigned to them. And I've heard good preachers, and they've got up and said that was the pastor of these churches. But let me tell you something here. In the Bible, you could, look at, you could just take a regular reference, a Strong's Concordance, or what's the other one? Young's. Young's. And it'll tell you that the, the word for pastor and shepherd is poimen in the Greek. The word for angel is angelos in the Greek. So two different words. And the word is accurate here to the Greek. It says, under the angel of the church of Ephesus. Yeah. 
verse 1. So he's writing to an angel, listen, that's of that church. And, you know, the word angel does mean messenger, but that's not the point here. The word, uh, how do I put this, Father? The angels are sent of that church. They represent us in the community if we release them. But the minister literally to that church is the pastor. Whoever's the pastor of that church, that's who's in there to be the pastor. But God assigns angels to every church that's a legitimate church. I don't care what the name on the outside is. If they believe God, and this is in here. You know, and even, even the Old Testament says Moses. I looked this up a couple years ago, Acts 7, about verse 39. Even the church in the wilderness is called that Moses pastored and the angel that helped him. So that was a type and shadow of what would come in the new covenant. Now, my son pastors a church that me and my wife started. So when I taught this recently, I said, you're in charge, Jordan. I'm not with this guy, with the angel over the church, because you're the pastor now. You know, I'm using my faith for all this to happen, and finances come, building, we paid off. We can do, I'm believing that. But you're going to have to speak to this angel, because that's your part now. You're responsible for that. Anybody listening? So, because the pastor has a different level of authority than their sheep. Anyway, so all of these seven is talking about the word angel. And, um, okay, let me see if I've said everything I need to say. I've got something else here. So, and dad came to me, Dr. Dufresne, when this other person preached this message in front of me. And dad was happened to, happened to be there, too. And he got me to side later and said, what did you think about what he said? I said, I didn't believe a word of it. Have you studied it? I said, I sure have. We go again for me I said I sure will and I'll come give you the results and I just told you what they were yeah. the yeah. word pastor is used in the Greek New Testament yeah. that's who wrote it it was in the Greek language sure. not American not English right. Yeah. Right. and you can't confuse those two words they're not even spelled like the yeah. phonetically they're different poimen and anglos that's two different words two different representations but the angels are essential to our churches each one each church I mean that has to so anyway the messengers of the churches are the angels, not to the churches. Angels assign, and I'm going to go to someplace else here. If you're, let me stop here on the pastors and let me give you some insight. Let's go to uh, Matthew 24. Let's talk about the pastors and the angels assigned to churches. Would you mind me doing that? Matthew 24. And I hope, I'm not, I hope you're staying with me. I'm not trying to be uh, a smart aleck or anything. I'm just... Sometimes when I like the angel of the Lord thing, I had to think about that a minute because I know there is an angel of the Lord, but it wasn't that one because he couldn't be all over the world at the same moment. That's impossible. No, the angels are individually, can only be in one physical dimension at a time. Okay, here in Matthew 24, 31, this is coming later, but let me point something out. He shall send his angels, that's God's angels, with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. So angels gather people. So what I said when I saw this, I began to pray over my own local church that, Father, you would go forth and gather people to this church that would come, and at least some of them would begin to be good church people, yeah. disciples of the Lord, and we could mentor them and grow them up. Now, let me, let me, are you with me so far? So even though this is something yet to happen, they have capacity from this scripture to gather people. Yeah. 
So now let's go back to Isaiah. I'm just about through with this section, but I have a few more scriptures to give you. I didn't mean to overwork you tonight, but you okay? Isaiah, let me find my reference. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43 and... uh, Yeah, verse 5 and 6. Isaiah 43, 5 and 6. This is what I would use as a pastor, the fact that the angels have capacity to gather. So, and I'll read this and then I'll show you what we could pray. But verse 5 says, Isaiah 43, 5, Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring your seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons... Now, this is interesting, from far, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. So he's not even talking about being just a church attender. He's talking about real sons and daughters that come into a local church and submit to the pastors and their direction for their life. You know what I mean? They're teaching them how to grow up. And, and all of us are still growing up. I'm certainly there. So what I would do, I would say, Father, I'm releasing the angels today when I was a pastor there. For the four sides of the earth, north, south, east, and west, go forth and bring my sons and daughters from afar to be a part of this church from the ends of the earth. And I release you now to go and to gather those people. Now, they can't literally drag them here, but they could speak to them and different things happen. People, you know, I had a couple of my church, they drove by my church every day, but they lived uh, 10 miles from me. And then one day they looked at the church sign, what's a church on the rock? I don't know. But they had helped Brother Copeland a little bit, I think, maybe financially. And they called and said, do you know anything about this church or the pastor? Yeah, we do. He's a good man. So they came and they stayed. They were Church of God. Anyway, I'm just talking to you. So you put these two together. They gather, but they go to the east, the south, the north, and the west to bring people that would be committed here, not just a, a tender, not just a come in church and get up and leave, be the same, never do nothing. All right, let's go. Are you good with me? I'm talking about this. That went well with the pastors and what they could do. And there's other things as you, as you expand your prayer life, God will show you what you need to pray about specifically. You know, go to 1 Timothy 5. This is an interesting scripture. First Timothy, and this is for other people like myself that's not a pastor now. Um, and you can't call yourself, you can't anoint yourself. I don't know why people get upset. And I wouldn't even tell you I'm a prophet. I don't need to tell you anything. If you're smart, if you know what a prophet is, you could see it in my mantle. But if you don't know anything about it, I'm just another preacher. But you're not going to receive from me the fullness of what's in my mantle if you don't pay attention when I say something to you, I have this anointing. Like this morning, I told you when you came for bones, I said, Dr. Dufresne ministered to my right hand in 1996 to pray for people that he had had a word for, and he had me to pray for them. Yeah, I was in a training lesson right then, being mentored by a senior prophet. And I was the other prophet under him to learn. That's what I, you know, I didn't know nothing about prophet, me being a prophet back then much, but he saw it in me. And he began to minister about it. Anyway, just talking. Now, this has to do with my ordination because, I, you know, when I was a drug addict, I was a drug dealer, I was a drug addict. And um, we were just, we were a sad lot. We were wild people then. And some bikers lived with us. 
And uh, then other of us, we were just drug addicts and we just did drugs all the time. I'm, I'm not proud of that, I'm just talking to you. I'm gonna talk more about the visions and I'll tell more about my personal life back then. But anyway, the people that came to my ordination, they were, they were rough people, some of them rough people. Yeah. I mean, really rough people. I mean, wow. Anyway, I said to one guy, one, do you ever kill anybody? Eight people, he said. I said, eight people? Wow. Of course, he still don't hold anything to the angels. I'm not bragging on that. He's just a rough guy and on the wrong side of things right then. You know what? He got killed in my presence, thank God. And, and I didn't hurt anybody that, I mean, physically like that, but it came close to it a few times, but. So anyway, I'm at my, my, my ordination in a Baptist church, a Southern Baptist church. My father-in-law was a scientist. He was a brilliant scientist. He had a PhD in metallurgy. He, invent, he invented some of the stuff on the space stuff that came back in the atmosphere that burned up because it was so intensely hot. Him and some other scientists that were metallurgists, you know, what to put with alloys and all that. And he did that. And then, he, then, then later in life, the Alaskan pipeline, they built the pipeline, but then the, the uh, pumps inside the pump line, the oil line, would break because it was so incredibly cold up there. So they had to figure out to build a pump that would withstand that kind of coldness and still function. So he was brought in on that and helped, you know, do that. He was very smart. And everybody was crying. I mean, these bikes, just all, my drug buddies, my drug, and I was crying. The pastor, pastor was crying. We were all weeping. But I realized later in life, as I got around the angels, sometimes when they come in, especially come into a meeting and, and they're doing something or helping us, there's a sense of reverence that falls on the congregation. Like they're not even sure maybe what's happening, but they sense something that they, they're they deferring to. Like you say it that way, some presence, and it's them, the angels come. And by the way, they're all, the ones I'm talking about, they're all holy. We're not talking about devils and fallen angels. We're talking about godly angels, the elect angels. So I read this many times about ordination, and it, it stuck the angels in here. Let me show you. 1 Timothy 5, 21. I charge bef thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I know God puts us in the body as it pleases him. And then the Lord Jesus is the head of the church, so he would have an active part in putting different ministry gifts in different people, or maybe sometimes a combination of and then it says, and the elect angels. And I read that one time, and I read it and read it and read it and tried to figure it out. Eventually, I finally got to some material that helped me. But in the Greek here, it means the elect angels are angels, listen, that were specifically picked out by Jesus to work with you. For, you know, who you are, what your mantle contains. I'm not in competition with anybody. Let me say that. If you lined up 20 prophets... If we were really prophets, we would have some similar something in us that designates that you're really a prophet. You're not just shooting your mouth off. But there had to be some fruit in some of that. And then also pastors. Not in competition with, and some pastors I met, they're just better than other pastors. Some of them are more greater preachers. Some of them are greater teachers. Some of them move in the Holy Ghost quite proficiently. Some of them don't. I'm not in charge of that. I'm just one guy trying to figure out how to live for God. <laughs> But when I saw this and studied that, it says excellent, chosen, and elected by God to work with my ministry. That's what I'm talking to you about right now, as a prophet. Yeah. Now, back then, I didn't know I was a prophet. I'm just getting ordained because I'm going to be a pastor. Sure. 
I got licensed first with them, then I got ordained. But there was such a sense of rest. And I always wondered what the angels had to do with all this here. And when, I, when I've just taught you, that's, that would go, because I'm sharing from the Greek New Testament. God selected different angels that would need to work with my mantle. I didn't know anything about the angels either when I got ordained. I'm just talking to you here. So here's, here's another part. And of course, as pastors, they got angels over their church, but they got personal angels. And some of them have other angels that assist them. Maybe some pastors have healing ministry to some level, a gift of healing or whatever. I have a healing endowment on me, which is different than a the gift of healing. I do have some of those too for bones that I ministered to you this morning. But then I have other things that work in me in the healing ministry. I haven't said a whole lot about everything yet. I'm just talking to you. So it's interesting that these angels get involved and they were assigned to us and when we got ordained or maybe just a period of time when we were coming into something. I don't know. I'm just talking. But I know God was involved in it and Jesus because, you know, I kept arguing with Jesus. I'm not called to be a preacher. He said, yes, you are. And I said, I don't think so. He said, Michael, you are. So anyway, I prayed a year and a half before I finally said, okay, you're right. I am. I'm going to go with you. I'm glad I did. So, now listen, you need to always stay with the Word. I'm just making some closing comments here. I don't think I need to teach anything else. I've taught a lot. I was going to minister maybe a little bit about that for just a second. Uh, but we're seeing that the angels were involved in all kinds of ministry. Pastors are ordained too, and apostles and evangelists and whatever. And the problem that about the angel thing, we've had no teaching or we've had wrong teaching, or we've had little teaching. And I said this before, I'm saying it again, I read about approximately 100 books on angels, not much I could use, so I shredded 97 of them. And I liked it. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> Get off my bookshelf. <laughs> you always stay with the Word, and always come back to the Word, and make sure that you're not getting off somewhere in some weird thing that nobody's ever even heard of remotely I would be concerned for you if you did that now this I'm going to make this comment then I'm going to, I'm going to minister to some people if you need it tonight um, this is uh, from Brother Hagen's book on I Believe in Visions when I was with Dad Dufresne in Pastor Scott Webb's church in Birmingham, Alabama several years ago, Dad's been gone nine years already and uh, he said, you preachers need to read that book. Well, I, well, I thought I'd read it. So I write, wrote it down in my notes to get this book and read it again. I went home. I had, a, I had a copy in my home office. I believe in visions. I had it marked up. Yeah. I went to church office, got it out of that bookshelf, and I opened it. It was marked up. I said, well, I've already read it and marked it. But because he said to read it again, Arlene, she works for me, or she did. They've been with me 44 years. I said, order me a new copy of I Believe in Visions, Brother Kenneth E. Hagan. Let me know when it comes in. So I've got, this is a copy of the pages. He was talking about the angel's message. It's on page one, uh, 120 through 122. And God begins to explain to him. He's having, Brother Hagin's having a vision. Jesus is talking to him. There's somebody else standing there. And he goes, who's that? He said, that's your angel. And then, he, then Brother Jesus said, well, you didn't think you lost him, did you, because you grew up? And, and Brother Hagen act kind of indifferent about it. I mean, like in a little bit like, uh, I don't know. And so Brother Jesus gave him some scriptures. Yes. It's all recorded, right? Yes. And then he said, 
when Jesus said to him, when I'm, he said, why don't you just tell me? And he said, when I'm done talking, you ask him why he's there and he's going to tell you. You know, sometimes Jesus can get a little frisky. <laughs> he got frisky with me a few times. I'm sorry. But anyway, there was a guy that volunteered to pay for all of his material to start getting uh, reproduced, to print his books and help with the tape ministry. And I think, it, I don't remember, I think it might have been $3,500. It didn't sound like much now. I probably spend that every year at Starbucks. No, not really. But come back, come back. So you're looking at, what's he getting? Starbucks. So when Jesus got done talking to him, the angel, he said, well, okay, well, you hear said, I've come from the presence of God to tell you, don't let so-and-so mention the man's name, do your tapes because he has ulterior motives. I'm sent with this message to tell you in four months' time, you'll have in your possession so many thousands of dollars, and he mentioned a certain amount, and you'll have enough to set up your own office and make your own tapes. Not only will you have this money in four months' time, but other money will come for, listen, for my angels... The angel told Brother Hagin, my angels are at work now to cause the money to come. And Brother Hagin said exactly what I would have said to him. Your angels. And he said, oh, yeah, I've got a lot of angels work for me, under me, that help take care of you. Now, this is why I know this is real. Listen to me here a second. Brother Hagin, it was his personal angel. So if God would, I'm just talking just scripturally. You know, God is not a partial guy. He's not prejudiced either. So if he would do that for uh, Brother Hagen through his personal angel, he would have to do the equivalent for me with my personal angel, or he wouldn't be fair. Not that I'm going to duplicate, you know what I'm saying, but the same scenario, but whatever it would be. And then on top of that, you may not want to buy into this. That's your prerogative. I believe Brother Hagen because he had good fruit. He had ministry full-time for 69 years. Anybody had a ministry that long? I don't think so. Not here tonight. Richard Sigmund, you know, he got killed in an accident. They put a wire on his toe, took him to the morgue, let him lay there for like six or eight hours. He went to heaven. And he was escorted around heaven with these angels, particularly two that kept him and walked with him. And sometimes they would stop when another angel was come by and they'd go like this. He said, what's that all about? These are angels with superior authority and strength, and we defer to them when they're around. <laughs> they reverend them. And so, and the angel said to Richard Sigmon, he said, you, you uh, humans, you don't understand. You don't just have one guardian angel. You do have one main angel that's a guardian to you, our personal, but he has other angels under him that get done for you what you need. Now, again, I'm just being honest with you. I don't have chapter and verse for that. After all, I've taught you and all that I could still teach you about, but I don't have that. But because of those two men's reputation, and both, one of them was in a vision with Jesus, one of them went to heaven. So I'd say they have a pretty good track record. And Brother Sigmund came back and wrote his book, My Time in Heaven. I read it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if I agree with every, comma, every single sentence, but that doesn't mean the man's insane. He was dead for a lot of, a lot of hours, and he was in heaven. Yeah. Then he came back in his body and freaked out the, the, the guy at the morgue. Ah! <laughs> We're learning some things. 
Remember, you could take whatever you wanted that you think I said was right, and if you didn't think it was right, you could just let it go or shred it if you want. I'm just talking, I, I'm being honest, I don't know everything about angels. I know a little bit here and there. In some areas, I know a lot more, but. Uh, somebody could come and move this for me if you would. Thank you, Pastor. You can stand up with me if you'd like. I'd like to talk about something a minute here. I think that's what I'm feeling led to say. You know, I, <clears throat> it's recorded, I think, in Luke 13 about a lady that was bowed over that had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And the Lord visited me one time. Jesus did. He didn't appear, but he spoke. It was his voice. He said, I want to talk to you, Michael, about a spirit of infirmity, so I want you to pay attention to this. It, it, he said, a spirit of infirmity is a spirit that gets in somebody's body, and it moves around constantly, but it seems like they're always sick. Yeah. This is the way I'm, I'm going to explain it to you. You have ear infections, and that clears up. Then you have throat infection. Then you got bowel problems. Then you got a heart that palpitates. Then you have problems using the bathroom. Then you have problems in your joints. Then you have a problem with your stomach. Then you have a problem with your teeth. I mean, it's a never-ending cycle of woe. And it's that spirit of infirmity that keeps hanging out in you. I don't know how he got in you, if he's in you, but we could get rid of him for you. And so I'm asking specifically for those that just feel like you're sick all the time, you're run down, you're susceptible to disease and sickness a lot. I want to pray for you. If you'll come up here, I'll be glad to lay hands on you and pray for you. And I'm going to take authority over that spirit of infirmity. And so I want to make this clear too. When I'm speaking, I'm not speaking to you as a person up here. If I'm taking authority over something, I'm taking authority over something that's come into you or upon you. And, and not, you know, I don't, you don't have to go back and figure that out, but you just have to realize what I'm saying. And we will speak to that spirit of infirmity and command it to loose you. And then your part would be to agree with me once I pray for you, Father, I thank you that the man of God prayed for me and I'm delivered from that spirit of infirmity. I live in health, I live in strength, I live in healing, and I'm not going to go back to that. And you use your faith with me after I've already prayed. I'm praying for you first and then just walk it out. Hey, YouTube family. And if you need medical help, get it. Of course, I say that. Like I said earlier, if you make a... Uh, testimony for me. I, you don't need to do that to me before I leave the building or before I leave this uh, services here. I just want you to have something you can write it down. But sometimes I have most outstanding things. I just went through all of those at home. I got a pile. I probably got 300 testimonies. And one lady, I didn't even remember praying for her. I don't even remember what state she lives in to tell you right now. But she said, I was healed of MS in your meetings like several years ago. And I go, really? I had to look to try to see where she lived and everything. I don't even know if the lady's still alive, but she got healed of MS. I didn't know that I had anybody healed of that. I've had two people healed of HIV, a male and a female, and I had the medical report from the lab at the hospital where they drew the blood, and they, in both their cases, they had a high level of that in their blood when you have HIV, and it said non-detectable now, after I prayed for them. Praise God. In the name of you, come out! I rebuke your power over this lady's life right now. Command sickness to go from you. Come out in Jesus' name. I command that thing broken over your life. Command it to go from you. In Jesus' name, come out of her. I command that spirit of infirmity to come out of her and loose her and let her go free. In the name of Jesus. There it is. In the name of Jesus, come out of her. 
I command that spirit of infirmity to loose your body, to leave you now and not return in the name of Jesus. Take that anointing. I release the spirit of infirmity. Come out of her in the name of Jesus. I command your powers null and void now in her life. I command you to loose her and let her go in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, come out of her. I rebuke that thing in your life, Pastor. Command it to loose you and go from you right now and not return. There it is, don't it? In the name of Jesus, come out. Command that thing to leave you, Pastor. Leave your body and leave you totally. And not any more of that sickness and disease, but you're beginning to amend from everything. In the name of Jesus, the power of God's working in you to make you whole. Oh, in the name of Jesus, come out. I rebuke that thing in your life. Command it broken over your life. In the name of Jesus, come out of him. Command the spirit of infirmity to loose his body and let him go free. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, come out of her. I rebuke that thing, command it to loose you now and not return. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. There it is. Hallelujah. Okay, this one. Just this one. Hey, honey, how you doing? You okay? Can I pray for you? Father, in the name of Jesus, I command that thing to loose her now. In the name of Jesus, spirit of infirmity, you loose her and go from her. I command her body to begin to be healed and whole and strong and sound. In Jesus' mighty name. And we thank you for the anointing that's going into her right now. In Jesus' precious name. Do you feel your head get hot, honey, a little bit? Yeah, I did too. Just her? Okay. In the name of Jesus, come out! I rebuke that thing in your life, command it broken over your body. In Jesus' name, spirit of infirmity, loose him. Let him go free. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody here, you have something wrong with your hand. I don't know what that is, but there's somebody here that you're dealing with something in your hand. I don't know if it's a numbness or if it's a some other thing like that. Who would that be? I'm talking to, hey lady, are you coming too? Is it for you or him? Oh, come on up, buddy. Okay. What's the matter with it? Does anybody know? Okay, Father, we curse that and command it to dissipate and dissolve and be no more. It's okay, honey, in the name of Jesus. Oh, he loves his mommy. That's good. Father, we thank you for healing that hand. Hi, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> the hand. That's you? This? Well, that and this. And that, that uh, Father, I command that. I curse it, command it to dissolve and be no more on her flesh. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, thank you for it, Father, right now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Praise God. Your finger doing something odd? Mm-hmm. Okay. Father, I just pray for these fingers to be healed and whole and to be normal and sound. We command it to be that way in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' lovely name, amen. Praise God. Amen. Somebody here, you got a problem in your neck. I don't know who that is. I prayed this morning for a lot of people with back issues and stuff. You got a problem in your neck. I'm asking for that. If you're here and you'd come up, I'd like to pray for you. Okay. Miss Donna, how long you had that? Is it on that side? Okay. Father, I command that neck to be healed in the name of Jesus by the power of the living God. Every pain to leave. All muscle contractions cease in the name of Jesus. Here it is, don't it's on you. Watch her. Hallelujah. Command your neck to be healed in the name of Jesus. That's what I'm praying for, right? 
I command that neck to be healed in Jesus' precious name by the anointing of God to come on her and make that whole. Oh, that's it right there. The anointing was went in you. Command the Father make that neck whole and healed and well. No more pain, no more tightness, no more anything there. Just working completely like it's supposed to. That's it right there. See, I think there's another person over here. Hallelujah. I pray for your neck to be healed in the name of Jesus right now, Father. I release the power into her neck to make it whole in the name of Jesus. That's it right there. Praise God. Anointing's on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Zachariah. Hi, Zachariah. How are you? He has what? He has seizures, but he's having to do things with his eyes where his vision goes black. Okay. Is that what's next happening to him now? I'll pray for him. Father, we pray for these eyes to be healed in the name of Jesus. We pray for them to be healed in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, Father, for the miracle in your body. For things to straighten out, straighten up in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you. Put your hands toward him a minute. Put your hand out here toward him. And him. Father, we agree together the power of God's working in him, going in him, ministering to him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Morning's on you, son. Power of God's on him. Hallelujah. Thank you for letting me pray for you. Amen. Praise God. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for being such a brave young man. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the anointing that destroys every yoke and undoes every heavy burden. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, he's doing pretty good. I mean, he's making progress. I know that. Yeah, he proved him wrong. He sure did. And he's gonna. It'll be a big shock to see what all's coming to. Hallelujah. All right. I want to pray for any of the ladies who have any kind of female issue. I don't need to know what it is, but if you'd like to come, I'd be glad to pray for I have a lot of success in that area. If, if it's something that you need to be prayed for, I'll be glad to minister to you. Things will straighten up for you in your body and function better and function right. All right, I'm going to wait just a second as people come. Hallelujah. All right, praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Father. I'm going to start down on this end here with this lady, I think, unless anybody else has come. Father, I speak healing to her body. I command everything to function in that area correctly in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I command everything to function in that area of your body and to function correctly under the uh, direction of the Holy Ghost, making things normal, making things right in Jesus' name. Command your body to function correctly as a young woman in the name of Jesus everything to be made whole, everything to be set right, everything to function correctly in the name of Jesus Christ. There it is. Everything to function correctly. Pastor's body, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. They're believing, I'm believing with them to be healed. You want me to what? I'm allowed to stand in the gap for my daughter. Do you have a, well, I, will you see her in the next? Yes. Okay. I don't know if I have, hang on, maybe I do have. Oh, you do? Oh, you got a cloth, that was what I need. That'd be better, yeah. 
Father, I thank you for the anointing in my hands to go into this cloth. And when it's put on Megan's body, the power will come off this cloth and go into her body and straighten those areas out that we've been talking about now in the name of Jesus. And if there be any evil powers there, they have to be broken and leave too in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. We've had a lot of success with that. Thank you. Pray for your body to be made whole in the name of Jesus. Every bit of that to stop that's been a problem, an affliction of some sort, and we command everything to be right and normal for her in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise anointings on you. Command your body to function in the name of Jesus. Strong anointing. Okay. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Pray for you too? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. Hey, you know, I told you already, every service will be different. You know, we just tried to listen to the Holy Ghost here. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here you have any kind of problem in your throat? I don't know if that's something growing in there or if that's just an issue with your throat. That's you? I'll pray for you. That's in that area. I know it's thyroid, but that's okay. Father, I pray and command this thyroid to be made whole and be totally regulated by the Holy Ghost. And, oh, thank you for healing her, Father, in the name of Jesus. That's it right there, that anointing on you. This is for throat things. Okay, problem solved. Okay, I mean, you may be the one. Father, I command this, all that's involved in swallowing to be made normal. And right, I know she said she had surgeries, but you can do what's right and create things and make things different. So I pray for this throat, it'll function correctly and no more struggles or no more issues with that in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And for your throat, Father, I, oh, the anointing hits you. Anointing on her for your throat to be healed in Jesus' name. Wow. Good anointing. Good receivers. <laughs> you know, that's part of it. You know, being a good receiver. You know something that liberated me, and I'm going to quit talking. I really am. Let me see. Hallelujah. That's just about right. Yes, ma'am. Okay, that's all right. Let me pray for you, honey. Father, I pray for this throat to be healed in the name of Jesus. No more problems there. Whatever the problems have been, we command them to be removed. We rebuke them command this uh, throat and neck and swallow it, all that's involved in her, there be healed in the name of Jesus. And we thank you. Amen, honey. You're a good receiver. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says, you know, through the mutual faith, both of me and you, I have faith to release what I have. You have faith to receive it. Then it's not about what we earn. Get that out of your head or you'll end up short on the short end of the stick. I, God dealt with me about that 20 years ago. You don't want what you deserve, Michael. You want what's being offered. I said, I got you. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to earn anything with you. I'll try to be a good boy. You know what I mean. Live right, talk right, think right. But that's a process in all of us ongoingly to renew our mind and make little adjustments as we go. So... Let me just uh, hang on just a second. Let me scan the Holy Ghost, see if I got anything else that I need to do tonight. Every night will be different. Thank God, Pastor Jackie, you had us for five services. 
We could get into a lot when five, you know, five different episodes of this teaching. I don't know if I'll change gears, but I think I like staying with the angels because, I mean, you know, I've taught it for 42 years. I could teach it a little longer, you know. You know what I'm saying? To learn more. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can I pray for you over here at Blacktop, Sister Blacktop? Your sister Blacktop to me. You're wearing a black top, aren't you? That okay? Yeah. Do you have Jesus in your heart, honey? Yeah. I just felt like I needed to pray for you, though. You had anything maybe trying to come against you or anything in your mind or anything? No? Okay. You'd be okay to lay hands on you and pray for you? Father, I pray for this young lady that she will discontinue to make great success with you. Pray that the anointing would abide on her in a fresh way, a new way. For you have a plan for her. And you're revealing it to her. And we thank you for her. We thank you for sending her tonight. And I thank you for her allowing me to lay my hands on her, Father. I declare refreshing to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Amen. And all right? Yeah. Tell the Lord it's touching her. He knows how to help us. The Lord does. He knows how to touch us and make us sensitive and, you know, tender. Okay, pastors, I think I'm done for tonight, but come back tomorrow. I hope you come back. I'll be here at 7. That's right, isn't it? 7 tomorrow. <laughs> okay.